Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Women and Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel. I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, a company that specializes in mergers and acquisitions only within the manufacturing sectors, and I'm your host for today's show. So today we are super excited to have with us Nicole Walter from HM Manufacturing. You have locations in Illinois and I understand in California as well. Excellent. So Nicole is the CEO of HM Manufacturing. They are a leading manufacturer of turnkey power transmission components for a variety of industries, including aerospace, automotive, medical, marine, packaging, and food and beverage processing. Nicole has been with the company since 2009 and has held a variety of positions. Our listening audience is going to love this because she's not just, you know, someone financial that's taken over the CEO ship of a company. She knows how to run a CNC machine. She's fabulous. Also, under her vision and leadership, HM has implemented some new technologies and processes, machinery, and ERP system, which is a very hard, hard task to implement something new. I have a client that just did that, and it's very painful. You know, employee training, marketing, this has enabled HM to expand its product lines and attract larger and more customers. Nicole also serves on the executive board of the Technology and Manufacturing Association and the TMA Education Foundation. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Looking We're forward delighted to-, to have you. Thanks. So in- Introduce us to HM Manufacturing. A lot of people don't know what power transmission components are. Take it away. Tell us. Yeah, it's so funny. I didn't either until I stepped foot here. So HM Manufacturing was founded by my father in 1979. We are second generation. It's exciting. It's been thrilling. And when we talk about power transmission components, primarily it's gears, splines, it's shafts, it's timing belt pulleys, it's shivs. We have now morphed our product line to include custom gearboxes. And so it's been really cool to kind of see the evolution of the business. And HM Manufacturing actually stands for homemade. A lot of people don't know that either. I used to complain about the name all the time, but now I I have such a, a love an affinity for it. But when my dad started the business, it was built actually in my grandparents' basement. Oh, and wow. so he was looking for a name. He couldn't come up with anything. And so my grandmother was like, well, why don't you just call it homemade because you're making everything in a home? So it's stuck, it's cute, and we still have it to this day. So love all the things that we're doing, excited to talk about it. And it's a little bit of what we do. I actually learned just in the last few years, I was not familiar with power transmission component until I began marketing a gear company for sale. Think about how many different things gears are used for. You could not get through your day without using something that has a gear in it. Yeah. And just like anything that everyone in manufacturing touches, 
we all take it for granted, but the reality is, is that everything we touch, feel, eat has been manufactured in some sort of way. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It touches every aspect of our lives, not just gears, but manufacturing in general, right? Love it. Yeah. Interesting story. So I've interviewed a few people that are second or third generation And often they go away to college and they come back with an MBA and they take over the presidency from dad. Your path was more interesting because you really started from the grounds up and have extensive machining experience. It's just interesting that even though my dad started the business in 79 and I pretty much grew up with the notion of manufacturing. I didn't know squat about it. So I'd come here as a kid and I'd play on packing slips. I'd ride on packing slips, pretend I was cool. I ride horses. So I used to pretend I was selling the plastic horses and I would take the briar. And it was just so funny that I always had a love for business. I just never knew anything about the business. So I did go away to college. My dad never kind of pushed me into it whatsoever. And in a way, I'm glad he did that. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I'd be further along if I just had been involved earlier. But I'm glad I didn't because I went off and I did chemical engineering. I did finance. I wanted to go do the bougie lifestyle of go being a hedge fund or go into trading. And so in 2008, when everything is starting to crash, my dad asked if I could come help him. The business was struggling. So mm-hmm. to, to his credit, he did say, but don't come here first. I need you to go get kicked around a bit. I don't want you to come here. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. Thinking that like you're this princess and you're going to start bossing people around. So I did. I, I went and I worked downtown at a securities firm and got fired because I've quite the mouth on me. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> very opinionated. I, I take after my mom on that because she's Colombian. So I get here and I started from the ground up. I'm really fortunate that it wasn't like, hey, just let's start doing sales. It was, you need to know the shop in order for you to talk the talk. So I did. I did shipping. I did receiving. I started to do assembly work. I did flanging. I put in bearings. I started to learn inventory. I started to then go into purchasing materials and how that all came about. And slowly but surely, we went through the gambit of like, all right, now let's do accounting. Now let's do quoting. Now let's do sales. And it was really great for me. And then throughout the course of all that, I kind of, I know I've talked about this so many times, but I uncovered a scandal and we ended up having to fire pretty much everyone out in the shop. It forced me to... If anyone wants to hear that story, it's everywhere. Just Google it. It's it's available. It forced me to have to get smart real quick. And I had to grow up really, really, really quickly. So for me, it was like, okay, we divvied up tasks, my dad and I. And after about, I would say about a year or two, I finally was able to get the company back on its feet. And then I decided, you know, it's time for me to really understand so that this never happens to me again. I really wanted to be so well-versed that no one could pull the wool over my eyes, no matter what happened to my dad. So I went for precision machining classes. So I can run a bridge port. I can run a manual lathe. I've been burnt by chips. It's a, it's you go girl. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's so fun. And I love working with my hands. I've always loved that. 
And then it kind of went into now let's learn how to CNC program so I could get a better feel for not just quoting, but also if the guys ever needed help, I could be a resource for them. And then as I wanted to like update our systems, I was like, well, we have a, an employee that's not really pulling her weight. And my dad gave me grief and said, well, you can't fire her because who's going to replace her? I don't have time to train her. You can't do this yourself. You're not going to find anybody else who could do CAD. And so I've always hated that philosophy and that thought point of you can't do this. You can't do that because who's going to do it? You're being held for ransom by a slack worker. Yeah. And I I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. So I went to Harper college here in Illinois and I did night school for about 16 weeks. And I learned CAD from beginner, intermediate, advanced, and then 3d modeling. And then I brought all of that back. And then I started doing it. So now we have solid work. So I was able to get new, fresh blood. And so I love to take on these crazy challenges because I hate being told you can't do it. <laughs> so I think maybe my dad does that for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been great. There's not anything in this company that I can't do or haven't done or won't do. Even to this day with COVID, there's been such a lack of workforce I've gone out to the shop. I still run machines. I still can pack. I still do accounting. And it's great, right? I think it's important for everyone to see that I'm not just sitting in this office in this glass box that I'm untouchable, that I will actually go get my hands dirty and help out. I imagine having all of the different jobs that you've held there, the different experiences, positions, et cetera. I would imagine that that really helped you when you were trying to figure out an ERP system to go with, because you had more visibility into what the machinists and the people doing CAD or SolidWorks were actually doing. Was that the case? It was. It was great. And I still do it to this day to figure out what could be streamlined, what could be automated. What are we losing time on? I mean, efficiencies right now are just so important not just to stay competitive, but it's really on a lead time basis. And so it was important to kind of understand what's happening, where we could go, and then also get an ERP system that's going to last us, not just something that's only going to be good for five or seven years, but something that could give us a more robust system that we can grow and move into. That's been really cool. The system that we did buy in 2016 we've kind of outgrown. Think about it, like technology is constantly evolving and moving. So what was good about four years ago was no longer good now. And there is a lot more capabilities that a lot of these technologies can offer us. So for me, I'm now looking at another portion where I can go faster, I can get deeper into the analytics and the data. So I've been looking around to kind of upgrade our systems now too. Oh, fabulous. Well, yeah. good luck with that. I know it's a that's a mammoth project. It's incredibly needed. It, you know, doing what I do for a living, selling manufacturing companies, it's people don't realize that what makes manufacturers successful also makes them easy to sell. And one of those things is having making data-driven decisions, having visibility into the true productivity of the worker, of the machine, of, you know, of the entire business. So good for you. You sit on the executive board of TMA's Education Foundation, but one of the most interesting things that I read in your bio was that you are also 
on a board for a local high school and having some voice into them developing their manufacturing programs. So again, working nationally, I talk to manufacturers all over the country every week. I never have a phone call in which a manufacturer does not complain about the skills gap. So I think that our listening audience would be incredibly interested in Number one, how did you get that gig? And number <laughs> two, is it is has it been helpful? A lot of people, you know, they don't want to spend the time because they don't think it there's going to be a payoff or it's going to be worth it. Help us out with this. What has been your experience? Not throwing my dad under the bus, but throwing him under the bus at the same time. I was struggling with the concept of you can't get rid of this person because of that. So even if it's like it was a bad apple and they were no longer good for the team because it was cancerous and their bad attitude or lack of commitment, we held on to people longer than we could because we couldn't find someone to replace that. And so I got sick and tired of being beholden to the bad apples. And it was great that being a part of organizations such as the TMA, NAM, IMA, AGMA, there's so many great Mm -hmm. organizations that are out there, whether it's local chapters or nationwide, that do have these type of programs where they're looking to grant high schools or community colleges with these types of developing manufacturing programs. So the TMA has an education foundation and they work with local high schools that have manufacturing programs and we grant money whether it's purchasing machinery, whether it's needing materials, whether it's trying to get involved in the in the mileage club or kind of your precision machining accolades for the year for NIMS. It's been really cool because you get to meet a lot of the superintendents, the principals, teachers that are a part of the local high schools. And so as you're networking and as you're connecting, you get to meet a lot of people and you go there, you give them the big check that's always so fun. And then you start asking questions. And a lot of times these high schools are looking for advisories. And so they're looking to put together an advisory board with like local manufacturers. Of, are they doing things properly? What can they do? Is the curriculum the way that you need it? Are we missing something? So I think As business owners, we always claim we're so busy and we are, but if you don't take time out of your day to go give back to your local community, how do you expect to keep growing your workforce or to even have a workforce in five, 10 years from now? Because what I'm doing now is I'm nurturing and I'm curating a nice development of these kids that are going to go through. They're going to be NIM certified by the time they're done. We now have really cool internship programs where they come to us as juniors and seniors. You can offer them a job. Three of my employees to this day have come through the local high school chapter that we co-developed with the high schools and their district. And it's paid interns. And yes, is it costly because you're kind of losing production? Yeah, but now I have a full-blown staff where everyone is ready to go. It's like at the drop of a, of a bucket, everyone is cruising along. It takes about six to eight months 
But now I don't have to worry about it because I've got 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds are looking to grow and develop their skill set. And I'm not crying for talent. I'm not crying for help because I'm nurturing that when they're 16, 17, 18, I'm getting them through the doors. And yes, not everyone stays, not everyone sticks around, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. But you've had success with it? You've had success? Beyond, yeah. Like I said, I have three that have been with me now for about four years. I just had one graduate high school that started working with me when he was 17. He just graduated. He's working with me full-time. He has gone from a button pusher to now he does all his own programming. And he's only 18. He's going to be 19 by the end of summer. So it's really cool to see that they're excited about growth. They're excited about the possibilities. They're excited about getting more training and more schooling. And I haven't had a problem. It's it's really great. And you know what's awesome too? It's like, as they see that you're putting all of your trust and that you're sending them to training and we pay for training 100%, you start to see that there's more of a loyalty and they want to do more for you. They're looking to kind of mm-hmm. exist at the same time. And they're asking... So like, what's next? What else could I do? And I think that is the greatest thing because when you get to nurture that and curate these experiences, it's a home run. You're investing in them. So yeah. of course they're going to be, they're going to be more loyal. That makes perfect sense. You said NIM certified. For those that don't know, what is that? NIMS is a nationally recognized certificate for machining. So it could be anywhere from like safety handling to forklift to CNC machining, programming. It's pretty much like a diploma. So you can come out of high school and you could give someone your NIM certificate. And it's like you graduated college with a master's. Like everyone is like, oh my God, this is fantastic. So it's a very, very highly sought after recognized diploma for machining. Okay. And so in your opinion, so beyond working with schools and trying to have voice into the local community programs, how else should manufacturers be thinking about worker diversity and attracting new talent into the industry? What I've been doing, and I think it's really worked well, is we're using social media to a whole new degree. And it's not just your average sales pitch. We don't do that. But we're doing LinkedIn for you know our customer base and for the younger engineers and purchasers that are out there. And we're showcasing our team. We're showcasing all the cool things that they're doing. But we're using Instagram and TikTok. We want like a broader range and a broader view. And we're trying to show that manufacturing isn't stale. It's not boring. It's not dirty. It's not grimy. But what we're doing is we're doing TikTok trends. So sometimes we'll show someone doing like, you know, machine apart or someone screwed up apart. But we're using trends to kind of get the attraction and the attention of a lot of these high schoolers. Same thing with Instagram. Instagram, we're, we're doing posts, whether it's about a product, whether it's about the team, whether it's about something that maybe I've done via like news or, you know, live TV or whatever the case may be. But we're constantly showing like the progression of cool stuff. Like, oh, we got a new machine. Look how cool this is. Oh, we got a robot. Look how awesome this is. And so we're trying to gain traction on a whole new differential and not have manufacturing look stale. Us as manufacturers have done a really bad job doing that. 
So it's about taking away the stale imagery, the stale content, and showing like how cool and innovative manufacturing really is. So we've been doing that on social media. We've been promoting diversity in a lot of different ways. Like I'm Latina, so I use that a lot. When I go to a lot of these high schools and I ask, is anyone interested in an internship program? I ask, is there someone of a minority background that would be interested? And if not, I'll take them anyways and I'll try to make them interested. So we've had great success. We've had Asian Americans, we've had African Americans, we've had Indians descent, we've had someone that was from Syria. So it's been really cool to see so many different backgrounds be excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I love it because it's a different energy. It's it's a different way of approaching things. And when you do get these high schoolers in, it's important to understand where they're coming from. We need to do our due diligence and figure out what they want because that's the upcoming workforce. So not to say that we need to cater them to their entirety, but we need to understand what they're looking for so we can start basing a lot of our decisions that we do today for tomorrow. Yeah. Listen, there's competition for workforce and manufacturers need to understand that. You and I have had this conversation. Manufacturers basically suck at social media, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if you have if you have someone that, you know, especially the older generation, right? They just don't see the sense in it. And if they do, it's with LinkedIn. And they'll say everything else is just a waste of time. And you're using non-traditional manufacturing venues to attract a workforce. And I think that's fabulous. Not many people are using TikTok and Instagram. So you told me a funny story about TikTok statistics and how something that your dad did (laughs) blew the numbers away. I think our audience will enjoy that story. So love my dad, but such a curmudgeon a lot of the times. And when we do these TikTok trends, it's either the guys out in the shop, some of the interns, one of the girls that has been doing the social media stuff for me since she was about 17. You know, she's at the University of Miami in Ohio and she still runs it. So I'll send her clips and she'll put her spin on it. But it's funny that while she was here over the summer and she's doing all these trends, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to like follow your dad and just let him think that I'm not getting him involved. I'm like, okay, because he hates this stuff. He thinks it's a waste of time. He thinks we're crazy. He thinks I'm crazy. So, you know, she's following him out in the shop and she's just watching him go through his daily routine where he goes to each machinist, says hello, sees what they're up to. And all of a sudden she catches him as he's looking at her and he's like giving her just side eye mad, flips his wrist, like get out of here. And out of all the things that we've done, that one has gotten the most views. I love it. I know. So everything else has like a couple thousand, but for the curmudgeon dad, he got over 8,000 views. And I just think it is so funny. For the man who like hates everything social media, his actually went viral. (laughs) That's amazing. Very cool story. So we're starting to run out of time. You've been so gracious in sharing some of what you're doing to attract talent into the industry. So I want to allow you to give a little bit of a plug. Do you have openings now that you're trying to fill? No, but we always take on interns. I have a current intern right now. 
who's coming from actually a different high school. So I always open my doors for high schoolers, for apprenticeship programs. I might not have an immediate opening, but I think it's so important for us to give back to the community and, and our industry in general. So for us being as small as we are, we're not very big. We're 20 employees. I don't want to hear people say, well, I'm so small. I can't do that. We're small. Um, yeah. And I really have time, but I make the time because I think it's important for us to just keep things moving. So I love the industry. I love giving back. I love seeing the young talent, the young youth come in and have a vibrancy and also the wanting to learn. I think that's huge yeah. too. I want to give back. I love this industry. It's done me a great service. And I think if we can continue showing how cool this industry is, we're just going to be better off. Yeah. So if listeners want to learn more about HM manufacturing, your products and services, how should they reach out to you? Yeah, they can go on our website, which is hmmanufacturing.com, or you could email sales at hmmanufacturing.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on TikTok. So if you want to see any of our cool trends and what we're up to, you just type in HM Manufacturing and we pop up. Everybody go on TikTok and watch dad's <laughs> video. Let's push it to like 15,000. Yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. great. So thank you so much for being with us. You're an absolute delight. We appreciate okay. you being here. And if you're a woman in manufacturing or in a business that services the manufacturing community and you would like to be on the show, please reach out to me. You can reach me on LinkedIn info at acceleratedmfgbrokers.com or call 908-387-1000. I would also like to encourage our viewers to visit whampodcast.com where you can see all of our shows and other shows brought to you by the Jacket Media Company. Thanks for being with us today. We appreciate everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>